and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking with Alex Radcliffe of the YouTube channel Board Game Co., and it seems only right to let him introduce himself now. Hey, I'm Alex Radcliffe from, I guess, uh, well, you took the surprise part, but from Board Game Co. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. So we did an episode about you, um, episode 206, which is like seven or eight months ago now, um, where we critiqued one of your, two of your videos on valuing games. And Alex recently it wasn't did about him. To be fair, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. to be fair, I listened to that, and you critiqued one. And I believe, I believe, Kitty specifically, if I'm doing this correctly, came to my defense and said, "Well, the second episode was more consistent, so less of a problem there." I think it was more about the first one. Yeah, Kitty. Kitty likes to be. I'd say it was more inspired by. I. It is my job on this podcast to disagree with Chris. That's that's our format. I think at this point. That, that is true. Um, yes, and we are going to talk about valuing games, and we're going to talk about some other topics, and we're going to talk about Alex because Alex, you in the last since since we listened. Um, well, I've been watch, listening to your channel for a while, but since we did that episode. You have had a meteoric rise in popularity and followers and subscribers, and um, we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. But first, I have to thank our patron friends of the shows, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake. Welcome to our newest patron, Derek McCullin. I think McClellan. Darren. Darren. Darren's in, and he's Darren's in our live audience, which reminds me, join our live audience, and you can hear me mispronounce your name in person. So that's live. live. That's awesome. What greater too. honor is there? There really, really? is not. Um, <laughs> so, and if you want to join us live in person and potentially, you know, randomly see YouTube celebrities, yeah, Alex, I'm calling you a celebrity, um, you can go to <laughs> tabletopgavetalk.com slash live. There's a link there. You click on it and voila, you're part of our, uh, you know, live audience. Sun yeah, I recently had to, uh, just this past week, I had to explain to one of my friends what, uh, like, a H-list celebrity is, because I was, like, <laughs> describing myself. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, like, H-list. Like, you know, and he's like, what's H-list? I'm like, well, you know, there's A-list, that's going to be the Tom Cruises of the world. There's the B-list, the people who starred next to Tom Cruise that you can't remember his name, but you can say he was in that movie. And then we go all the way down the rung to uh, to, to H-list, where there's a few people who play board games who know who I am. <laughs> yeah, you are a niche within a niche. There's Yeah, there's no money in board games, but we're going to talk more about that. Oh, last week we did an episode. So, Alex, just a, um, I have to do an apology episode. I'm a, this is almost a correction episode, really. Um, the, first, <laughs> <laughs> the first episode of every month we do an episode based on solely on role-playing games. And last week we did an episode on non-D&D role-playing games, which... I know a lot about. I've been playing games for a very long time, but apparently I didn't know. Well, I misspoke that Blaze in the Dark was a vampire game. Uh, apparently it's not. I was thinking Nice Black Agents. So Jason pointed it out and let me know that Blaze in the Dark is a steampunk horror game. Thanks, Jason. Um, and I figured, okay, one correction. That's not too bad. I can just note that. But no, no, no. Eric said that I said GURPS was a palladium. Uh, franchise. He's like, no, 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 that's Steve Jackson. Um, I'm just getting that confused as well, because, yeah, I was. And then Cal let us know that Cyberpunk is different than Shadowrun. Cyberpunk was created in 1988, and Shadowrun was created in 1989. Uh, I'm just going to say, yeah, right. They're so close to each other. That one, I'm going to buy that one. That's fine. Um, he also thinks... <laughs> you get more emails from that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to be like, yeah, whatever. Address <laughs> to Chris. Send emails to Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing with Cal is he's like, he's like, you should do an episode on indie RPGs. And I'm like, okay, for as much as I messed up on the bigger games, I'm not sure <laughs> I want to start doing about all the indie publisher stuff that I'm totally going to mess up on. Um, so that's our banter. We did the whole thing. I want to have as much time as possible to talk with Alex. <laughs> so we're going to skip the, the rhetorical question of Kitty Fletcher. How are your weeks? Fine. Great. It's fine. Yep. Um, I played some games. Actually, I set up, I'll talk, I'll talk about what I did this week near the end of the episode. Cause it, it tends to get all involved. So Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Well, well yeah. hopefully it's fun. We'll find out soon enough. <laughs> I was going to say, we just got started. Don't get your Give expectations time. too high, okay? Yeah. Keep them low. You're dealing with complete amateurs here. <laughs> 
Despite doing this for several years, we maintain yeah. our amateur status. Yep. 238 <laughs> yeah. straight weeks, minus that one summer. But I even released an episode every every week during that summer. So, um, and yeah, we've got haven't gotten better. I think we've actually gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> but we had to keep it. That's fun. our brand. Yeah. So, Alex, I actually want to start out. If anyone has not watched Alex on YouTube, you should. Board Game Co., you release a video. I thought it was just every day, but I'm looking at your most recent playlist and two it's like days every ago, 36 like hours, five of no, them. No, so so recently, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's a real problem, a good problem, but a real problem. Um, I I'm trying to when I, when I first started doing YouTube videos, I'm very much more into other types of things like conversations, top ten lists, covering Kickstarter, all of that. But as time goes on, I started getting more into reviews. The problem is I have a full schedule and I don't have anywhere to put the reviews. So now what I start doing is now I still do a daily video, and then on Saturdays and sometimes on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, I dump extra videos for reviews to just get them there without taking up a daily slot. So yeah, it's up to like, I think of 10 or 11 videos a week at this point. It is a <laughs> lot of content. And the thing is, if you are into Kickstarter, Alex is one of the best people to listen to, because he'll go through every Kickstarter and tell you, he speaks of value on the Kickstarter. Will it hold its value? Is it worth it? But he lo- you look at it in a way that I don't. And I'm like, oh, that's not really a bad <laughs> way to look at it. And maybe you should. And maybe I should. So, but I actually want to go straight off YouTube for just a second. So Board Game Co. is the channel. Definitely watch it. Um, you may not watch every episode, but there are something in there that's good. I, some of my favorites are Play This, Not That. where Ooh, you, I love you that. Put, yeah. You put two games together, and they're very similar, and they're oftentimes very popular. Um and like you kind of pit them against each other. Um, it was Everdell and uh, Wingspan. Yeah. Wingspan. Yes, that yep. was so that was interesting. That was kind of I did that with a Quackalope, kind of a hybrid. We went back and forth against each other, having opposing videos in that one. Uh, usually, usually I just go more specifically covering the two. I think this week I have Black Play going up, Zombicide Black Play going up against Zombicide Second Edition. So I'm finally comparing those two. But yeah, I it's one of my favorite formats as well that I actually stopped doing for several months because it just was, wasn't that popular. But then I started doing it again and people started watching it the second time round. So I'm, I'm happy they are because I like doing them. Yeah, I, I really, they're very cool because you're kind of like, hey, this is the advantages of this. This is the advantages of this. And this is why you should play this over that. It's, it's a great format. Um, but you started doing something for your patrons, and I find this fascinating. <laughs> and I need you, I don't think anyone on uh, uh, Kitty and Fletcher are unaware of this, so I'm just going to let you take it away. What are you doing that they are going to tell me I must immediately patron you and watch this all the time? So so this is a series. It's actually funny because I've only actually, I started, uh, I announced this kind of subtly. Like I have been hiding it at the end of my regular Monday roundup video where I cover the Kickstarters. And I'm doing a slow launch because what I'm doing is actually, it has the potential to hurt people unfairly. And so I'm taking it very seriously and being very cautious with how I slowly roll it out. But a few weeks ago, I had the idea to start doing, and, and the reason for this, the trigger for this was somebody who commented on one of my videos at one point. They commented saying, hey, it's I, I love your videos, but... Like, it kind of feels like it's a little bit out of touch where you're like, oh, get this, get that. This is a good value. That one's not. And like, there's just too many games and it's not practically, it's not practical for me to back like 10 games a month. So it doesn't really have that much use to me to watch your stuff where you just say, here are 10 games that are worth backing. And I thought that was a worthwhile comment because I'm in a fortunate position that I, I have a decent day job and I have extra income and I can, I can back things that I only back things that hold the value or mostly, but nonetheless, it's still a lot of money going out every month. And I thought it was a fair comment that there are many people out there who only have a budget or perhaps time or perhaps space for one or two games a month. And I thought that what if there's room for a series where I'm much, much harsher about what makes sense to back. Not taking a stance of this is a reasonable back or not a reasonable back, but really trying to dig down onto the reasons why you should not back it. I would argue that Kickstarter as a, as a concept relies very heavily on FOMO. It relies very heavily on the pitch, the idea that games might not be available, that it might be more expensive. It's all the mites. 
And so I kind of take the opposing stance in the series. Instead of being even-handed with my coverage, I try to rely on the FOMO that you might be getting a bad deal, that this might be the worst way to spend your money. I try to rely on the exact reverse FOMO, that you might be the the quote-unquote sucker on the end of this Kickstarter because it'll be available cheaper. Don't don't get don't get pulled in. And so it's a much shorter series where after my 50-minute long Monday roundup, I spend about 10 to 15 minutes going over those exact same games much quicker without the overview because I already did that and giving you all the reasons why I think it's not a good back, sometimes value-based and sometimes because, well, most recently, for example, a good example of me, uh, you know, telling people that backing $600 worth of Marvel United was an <laughs> absolutely unnecessary thing to do, even though it absolutely would hold its value. So it's really just a critical, unfair, unbalanced approach to don't back these games, but then maybe there's one or two that are still worth paying attention to. Yeah. And I have to respect the fact that you're putting it behind the Patreon paywall. Um, and to the point where I don't think you could talk me out of anything that, because... Because uh, <laughs> we've tried for yeah. years but to what talk it's Chris worth, out of things. <laughs> doing this series has already stopped me from backing two games. There has... Uh, as you and I. Um, yeah, I, I am fortunate enough to have a day job that allows me to be involved in this hobby and not be too concerned with having to sell everything. So my listeners know, like, we have a, a year-long uh, thing going on right now where if you – and, hey, listeners, a reminder. If you email me, send me an email, <laughs> enter into the 2021 giveaway. You only have to send me one email, and then you're entered for the entire year. And every two to three weeks, I draw two or three names, and they get to pick a game from the list of games I have to give away. And that's how I get rid of my games. You do it better. You actually sell these games. But back <laughs> to the Patreon, I think it's brilliant because you could get such click baity numbers if you said why you shouldn't back blah put anything in there anything negative is just gonna get clicks right yeah but what, what ends up happening is you're not it's it's tricky right like simon they're probably not gonna suffer from from you telling them that hey you know marvel united is not worth backing but like awakened realms maybe they don't either but there's a lot of games out there where these are the passion projects and just having someone who makes a living out of saying, hey, don't back this because of these nitpicky things, I, I commend you for putting it behind the payroll, but I also love that it exists. And after this episode, because <laughs> honestly, I just forgot, I'm going to be patroning you and I'm going to watch these episodes. <laughs> so, um, And I completely agree with that. Uh, one of the, I mean, so I, I was very clear when I announced at the end of one of my videos, it does fulfill both things. One is I do believe in the concept of giving Patreon exclusive content. If, you know, people are going to spend money helping you, then I want them to be rewarded. But also, like, I do not want these videos to be something that someone on the internet stumbles upon and thinks it is a fair and balanced approach. It is absolutely not. It is me taking a much harsher, much more critical approach and something that might be a reasonable back. I'm relying on the FOMO of it might be, but what if it isn't? So I'm yeah. taking a very, I want people to, to not just stumble upon these videos on the internet. I want them to be things people knew what they were looking for before they click watch. Yeah, Fletcher's um, take on this is never back anything on Kickstarter. <laughs> well, I watched your video, Alex, on like how you know you, the listener, shouldn't back anything on Kickstarter, and I was like nodding my head. <laughs> I, I went into this already agreeing with you, but I was like, yeah, like I like one hundred percent agree. Like, I know you took that side because because you. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I, I was devil's advocating uh, Quacklope, yeah. But, uh, right. but I, so I don't know if you actually agree with that, but like... <laughs> I do depending on the person you are. So the point in that particular discussion to kind of condense it was we both took opposing sides of you should or shouldn't back things on Kickstarter. And I believe in everything I said up until the point where Quacklope basically described who I am as a person, where he described the fact that it's not just about the games. It's about the journey. It's about the excitement. It's about the process, about the waiting. It's about all those things. If it's just about the games, I believe everything I said. Get them at retail, pick them up later. You're not missing out. And what you are missing out on, you don't even know you're missing out on. So who really cares? You're just saving a lot of money. But if you do like the journey, if you do like that, that update, that, oh, look at this miniature. Oh, look what new game's coming out. Oh, look at this thing I bought six months ago that I forget six months, 16 months ago that I forgot <laughs> about. If you like the journey, then I think there's value to being a Kickstarter addict. If it's just about the games, I do believe stay off Kickstarter. If you're getting. Yeah, so if you don't want 15 uh, was, uh, to 30 Kickstarter updates in your inbox every day, then you should say off Kickstarter. 
<laughs> in one of our it's recent episodes, so uh, <laughs> when we were talking about this, I was just like, I, I like the, I'm in it for the games and I, and I just go for the retail. And I was like, what you need to do is like, if, if I use the same analogy, you have a friend that has a boat. Boats are expensive, so find a friend that has a boat. <laughs> I, I, I found friends that have a bunch of games, so they back everything on Kickstarter. They invite me over, and I get to play their Kickstarter games that I don't actually have to buy or store or sell. Yeah. I've gotten a few Kickstarters recently that I'm like, this is a big box. I went all in on this. I have no idea what this game is. I have no idea why I backed it. It has eight boxes and a ton of miniatures. I got a, a box of, like... It looks like replacement miniatures are extra miniatures, but it had no markings inside the boxes what game they were for. I have okay. no idea what these miniatures were for. Did they you just- back <laughs> a bunch of stuff from Awakened Realms? They had a big box full of extra minis for the Edge Dawnfall. Uh, I uh, maybe it could have been that. It could have been that because Awakened Realms just automatically just sends you all kinds of stuff. It's. I agree with you though. If you're backing it for the game. Don't do Kickstarter for the most part. There are certain games where um, if you're doing it for the game, there's I think there's still good backs. But in general, it is the journey. It is the Christmas every day that something could show up on my front porch. And, yep. oh, Absolutely. look at that. The other day, I had my garage door open and the UPS guy just decided to drop the box off in the UPS or uh, in the garage. And I pull up in the car and I see this big box in the garage. I'm like, oh, that's my... Marvel United extra, like the second pledge of that, which I had backed all in twice. Um, again, we're going to get to this. Um, and so I'm like, I had all of this stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this is so great. I get to open all of this. And I did. And yeah, we're going to talk about that. that's going to be a whole separate <laughs> thing. But Alex, I want to ask you a couple personal questions first before I get off on that tangent. Sure. First of all, you mentioned day job. What is your day job? Oh, so I work uh, for I, I work for a software development agency where we effectively build e-commerce websites, uh, you know, for companies that are selling things online. It's software is called Magento, which, by the way, I got recent flack for in my Marvel United video when I talked about. I was like, oh, and we have this character and this yeah, character Magento, and Magento, <laughs> and people are like, what is going on here? I say the word Magento sixteen times a day, and I say Magneto once a year, so that's my excuse. But but yeah, that's going to be my day job. I've been working there for going on about to hit seven years now so it's been a while that's actually how fletcher and i met um i do software development uh for mobile phones mobile devices oh nice and um fletcher was an intern uh turned into a full hire blah 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 and you know now i'm going to his wedding in september um i think i'm officiating his wedding in september so (laughs) yes (laughs) i introduced him to his wife this time yeah So, all right, so that's your day job. And we talked a little bit before we started recording, but you have a a wife who is incredibly supportive and on your channel now. Yes. Uh, I just Talks watched- you into backing almost as much stuff. I know. I get so many comments about that. I get so many comments when she joins me for these videos. People are like, isn't she going to be upset at you for the things you're backing? I'm like, if she would be, I wouldn't be backing them. That's one. But then she goes through them and she's like, no, what about this game? You missed this game. I'm like, it's not a good value. She's like, but I like it. I'm like, back now. <laughs> back, yep. <laughs> yeah, Sydney has never told me to back a game. Uh Every, when we were doing DTN, there was one game I talked about, and she texted me. She's like, we are backing this, right? I'm like, of course. Like, okay, just making sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you... Alex and... Uh, Sydney and... Or Sydney. Kitty and I used to do the Dice Tower News um, Kickstarter segment, and we used to do Dice Tower News, and we did Kickstarter segment. And we did, we've been following Kickstarters for oh, a little over four years now, uh, which is one of the reasons why I can start the YouTube channel back up. I didn't announce that, but um, oops. But one of the reasons, because I'm not doing Dice Tower now Surprise. anymore... Surprise. So I have some extra time that I can, you know, script a a 20-minute YouTube episode every now and then. So, all right. But you also have four kids. Yes, indeed. How often are you gaming with the kids? Oh, so what's funny you... back are heavy games. It's funny that you ask. I currently, right before this podcast, uh, well, not right before, it's a little later, but an hour before this podcast, I just finished up another round of Adventure Tactics, uh, mm. something Dominance Tower, whatever it is. We're on our like, uh, fifth mission so far. We're heavily diving into that one, having a lot of fun. Uh, so right now, this past week, a ton with the kids. I would say usually on a more regular basis, I probably get in one or two games a week with them. We do have our own lighter games. Also, my daughter, Ricky, will occasionally join me on the channel, so we'll play games for that as well. I would say not as many 
not as much as I, as I would like, but as much as I, I can. Their interest in games is not as high as mine. <laughs> they like playing with the miniatures of the games. They like my Kickstarter addict <laughs> addiction. But uh, yeah, so uh, so I get in a few games a week with them. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Adventure Tactics? Um, it's it's amazingly fun. I, I'm having a hard time because I'm, I'm currently, as I go through it, I'm formulating how I'm drafting my review and I'm having a ton of fun, but I also need to check myself and think, well, how would it be if I was playing it with adults or solo or whatnot? So I'm probably going to get in a few solo plays before I go, before I do a review, but I think it is one of the most fun leveling up systems I have encountered in any game recently. Uh, but past that, the actual tactical decisions, I would argue, are on the lower end. But it's a lot of fun to go through it, and there it is. It's challenging. It's not that it's not challenging. It's just that the the decisions are kind of mostly procedural. Yeah, I've been playing solo with three characters. Um, I think I got I'm through mission five right now, and mm-hmm. then I hit a wall. Like the mission I'm on right now is like impossible. And so, just it's, to be it's, clear, it's not one of those missions where you is it one of those missions where you have to repeat or not? Um, it's if you fail it, something bad happens. So then you go down a little branch, and then you have to escape from someplace. And okay. Do because <laughs> I made the mistake in this game of the first mission, if you fail, you have to repeat it. So I got to the second mission and I failed it three times and repeated it three times before turning the page and finding out that one you don't actually repeat. You go forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but for those who don't know, Adventure Tactics is it's a card. It's a deck building game, <laughs> but you do the deck building between s- s- scenarios and the scenarios are tactical. So you're on a grid and and... Your cards are allowing you to move and attack and do these different things. You have you have special powers, but your characters you start out as like your basic classes, and then you level up into these advanced classes. And then advanced classes can actually level up into more advanced classes if you decide to go that route. And every time you play, you basically level up, and it's so addicting. And it's it not is. hard per se. Sometimes it can be, um, and it's there's dice rolls involved to like you know for resolution and stuff. But it's so much fun, and it's cute. It's too cute for the amount of fun. And I understand why people are playing it with their kids. I actually am having a great time playing it solo. Like, I love the art. I love the leveling up aspect of it. So that's Adventure Tactics. Just to be clear, you know that the upcoming uh, expansion is coming to Kickstarter. And that they're coming to the Kickstarter with minis for all the enemies. I only knew that because I heard it in one of your recent videos. And I'm like, whoa? Because <laughs> I did not back this one on Kickstarter. I had to track this one down because I, I passed on this one on Kickstarter when it first came out. And yeah, then I had to track it down. Same thing with um, Sleeping Gods. I just got that one in, which is another one I passed on Kickstarter, which I don't know why I did. Also, Kitty, <laughs> I ordered that one from two different online places. Um, the second one told me that they won't have it until next month. So I'm going to send that to you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is Ryan Lockett's kind of open sandbox universe, which I've heard so I remember this. Yeah. Which I passed on because I do not need a million games in my collection. I'm I, I'm very careful about what I choose. I think this game <laughs> But I'll give it a shot. This game is exactly what you want from him. It is it is amazing. I He's so telling you, Kitty. Just, you <laughs> I have a hard time because (laughs) Spencer doesn't enjoy these games as much. And part of the games that stick in my collection are games that I have someone to play with. So games that I want to play with my husband, games that I want to play with my mom and my brother are games that definitely stay. But uh, Near and Far is one of the games that's in the box to go back to you because I no one will ever sit down and play it with me. And I have such little solo time available. It's not what gets to the table. Yeah, I have the advantage of I have a game table in the kids playroom. And this is the game that's set up on that table that I play it solo. So yeah, I'm I have too many gaming surfaces, um, which is saying something because we're having friends come over this weekend. Everyone's vaccinated and we're coming over with the newest Keyforge um, releases. We're getting new Keyforge tomorrow. And so we're having four people over and I'm like, I don't have any place to play Keyforge because all of my tables (laughs) have campaign games set up on them right now. And even if they didn't, they're too big for like the head to head back and forth thing. So now I have, I have five gaming surfaces in my house and none of them are available to play Keyforge with four people. Yeah. Um, You're ridiculous. That is my So problem. you need a smaller I think- table. I need a smaller table. That's literally what I need is a smaller <laughs> table. 
All I right. Think what I need is a less less athletic child because if I had a board game table in my playroom, my kid would be on top of that in a second. I know your pain. <laughs> I know your pain. <laughs> <laughs> I love that my kid is not a climber. Um, uh, every time I see him get my up kid- on something. <laughs> My kid started leaving his milk cup on top of the curtains in the playroom. He like <laughs> climbs like a monkey up to leave it up there. I'm like, I how and why? And I have to check behind my curtains for half empty milk cups at the end of every day because one got left behind. And suddenly I'm appreciating my kids a whole lot more. (laughs) (laughs) I give my child, you know, those little like um, portable step stool. They're just like a single step and they fold up. So there's like nine inches tall. He has one of those downstairs and one of those upstairs. And that's as tall as he gets. Like, that's it. And then he has like a double step to, we, we all eat standing up at the island in the kitchen. I don't know how it became a thing, but it just became a family dinner time was around the island in the kitchen. And so he has his steps. He comes up and that's where we eat. But if he can't get there with a, with a single step that moves around, he doesn't climb. And I just, I, every day I think, I was like, ah, oh, thank you for being a good little two-year-old. But you're still two. But thank you for being as good as a two-year-old can get, I think. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about um actually let's just jump into Marvel United. Um Kitty Fletcher, are you familiar with Marvel United? I know I talked briefly about this game. Only and in, in so much as what you've talked about it. Okay. I am slightly more familiar than that. Because you had to, uh, you read a blurb I said about I had Marvel to read. United. Well, I I did look at the Kickstarter page all by myself. <laughs> I'm a big girl. <laughs> but yeah. So- so I'm going to describe this. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Alex is going to drop a video this week on why you shouldn't have backed Marvel United if you did. And I am going to drop a video this week on why I backed Marvel United all in twice. To be and clear, for the record, I did back it all in. I'm just going to say why I shouldn't have. <laughs> yes. I'm actually super interested in this, too. Um, so Marvel United is a... Um, it's a Simon game, uh, or come on, but seriously, even Eric Lang says Simon. So I'm going to say Simon. Um, <laughs> it's a tons of miniature game. Marvel United original classic that they're calling it was mostly kind of any non X Men uh, Marvel characters could have been in that one. And I back this all in twice, only based on the miniatures. I didn't know about the gameplay. I'm not, like, the gameplay itself looked really simplistic to me, and I'm like, eh, the gameplay was alright, but I love chibi superheroes. Loved it. I'm like, I don't care if the game's good or bad. I want this twice because I want to have a copy of the chibis that are, like, clean, and then a copy of them that I can paint. And that was my mindset at the time. So, it is now delivered, and if I go on eBay right now, I can... The uh, just the base pledge is selling on eBay for like two hundred and fifty dollars. It was like sixty five dollars um, on the campaign. So if you just had the base pledge and turned it around right now, you'd make like you know almost two hundred dollars just on that, which is not uncommon for a successful a uh, uh, a light Simon Kickstarter. So Marvel United X Men, I did the same thing. I went all in twice. But here's my thing with this one: I'm just selling my second pledge of Marvel United to pay for. Over half of the pledge of Marvel United X-Men. And the second backing of Marvel United X-Men, when I sell that, will pay for the rest of both of them. So, Alex, your response to what I'm trying to do here. Um, it makes sense. Good on you. All right, great. Perfect. All right, so that's the episode. Um- <laughs> so, so, so it depends. So, so what, what are we talking about in terms of response? Your specific strategy, you know, the general idea of buying and selling on Kickstarter. Where do you want to go with this? So what I'm thinking here, I'm trying to justify me doing this. Now, anyone who follows me knows that I say I can sell something more often than I do. Mm, and that's the tricky part, isn't it? Yes. So there's a lot of when people... When is the last time you actually sold something, Chris? I sold a bunch of Dual Land Magic cards that netted me about $5,000 on eBay about two years ago. Have you sold your first Marvel United extra copy? I haven't, and I mm. should. 
probably should have this conversation again in a few weeks. <laughs> I know we should. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. The, 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 the general concept of I buy one for myself and I buy one to pay for the other one is a, a tried and true tactic with different Kickstarters to different degrees. Uh, Come On in particular is one that it used to very much be the case. If you go back to the days of Rising Sun, you could legit buy one copy and sell it to pay for your entire other copy and cover both your costs. As time has go, gone on and that's become more familiar, you know, people like to complain about scalpers and people selling copies and all that. But in reality, the more you complain about it, the more you reduce the number of them and the more you char- cause the, the, the prices to go up. You actually yeah. want to incentivize and encourage scalping. More and more people jump into it and the aftermarket goes down just because of the nature of supply and demand. And, and so this, this, you know, secret that you can buy an extra command game to pay your, for your first, as time has gone on, as people have listened to Chris and the other Chris's of the world talk about <laughs> what they're doing, they do the same thing themselves and prices stabilize. Now they don't stabilize that much because there's still risk associated with it. There's still risk with every different company. Even Command has risk, even though the, their risk, I would say, is mostly mitigated. They mostly put out games that hold their value for the miniatures alone. But it's certainly something that people can do in terms of buying an extra copy to pay for whatever else you backed. Now that's great for Command. It's great for Awaken Realms. It's great for Mythic Games. It's going to be great for, you know, seven or eight companies that I can name offhand that you'll generally be very safe on. Now, if you want to try to do that to all your Kickstarter choices, you it fail. may or may not. It, it, it may or may not. It may or may not. And I would say more than that, it's also, there's also a degree of like something. I regularly get a question on my channel, but like, oh, what about, you know, do you encourage backing this game to make a profit on? And I always say, I don't go down that route. I, I myself personally, I don't back them to make a profit on and I'm not encouraging it. And the reason is because it's a lot easier to have a conversation about this will hold its value, which is a much more stable approach. Then this will be worth more than what you paid for it, which de- requires more of a degree of, risk assessment that I'm not comfortable telling thousands of people and then being wrong about. And also it's not the target audience for what I'm doing because there are people, people who act with dedication, people who know the market, who know Kickstarter, who will do these things and will 100% make money, 100% be able to sell their copies, pay for their other copies, and be, perhaps even make a decent side income in this. I mean, the people have turned into full businesses. Uh, the game steward turned this into a full business by by backing Kickstarters at full price and then just selling them on their site. So yes, you can absolutely do this. For the individual on a regular basis, unless you're just backing come on, unless you're just backing those companies, you're basically signing up for a decent amount of work of, I have to yeah. go list that game, I have to go check the market, I have to know what I'm selling it for, and, and you'll, you'll probably pay for your time, probably, but also maybe not, and also what else are you doing with your time that you can afford, if you can afford to lock up $5,000 worth of extra games just on Kickstarter waiting for them to come out, then you're probably working a decent job to begin with, and it might just be better to just keep working a decent job. Yeah, so you're, I, you're not running a speculation channel. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I think there's room to make money in this. I think there's room to pay for your copies of your games. I, I think that it, it depends on... That's why my goal has always been to just to to break even. My goal is always to just not lose money on Kickstarter. If I happen to make money along the way, great. And, and, some, and very often I do on individual titles but you'll lose in other titles too. So it's it's a question of what your goals are. Yeah, I would agree that you have to value your time. And honestly, this is one of the reasons, I mean, I, I say I'm lazy, but if anyone actually monitors what I do, I'm always doing like 15 times, 15 things at any given time. I'm not lazy. I just, there are certain things that I prioritize over others. And listing something on eBay is He's just not... a developer. He's not lazy. Okay? <laughs> exactly. I'm just a developer. <laughs> <laughs> listing things on eBay is not a priority in, in what I'm doing. And part of that reason, though, is because I do have a day job that allows me to fund my addiction. And it is an addiction. Um, Alex, I think you are 100% correct when you say Kickstarter is an addiction. And there are certain aspects to Kickstarter, the FOMO especially, that make it so. Those endorphins are triggered every single time I back something and I'm like, you know, you've been talking recently about the collector's edition of um, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. It's not a great game. A lot of people love it, which is fine. But it's not a great game. And having the collector's edition isn't going to make it a great game for me, Right. I just, I'm going to do a video in the next week or so on Terraforming Mars. I do not like this game. I think it is a terrible game. And I've said this many, many times on this show. And people have always tried to convince me that, you know, you just need that expansion or whatever. I have all the expansions. And then I went all in on the collector's edition with all of the plastic and went in for the metal cubes. 
every single cube is individually bagging. And then all of the Every single of the, cube is individually bagged? Every single one of them. And then all of those are put into a baggie of each of their color. And then those are put into a bigger bag. It is insane. There's more plastic than metal in this pouch of cubes. So what I'm trying to say my to my... <laughs> I know. I know. So, We're so going to saw the update Mars from after them. this. <laughs> I saw the update where they talked about how, oh, we know that the bags or the cubes were like bagged up. And I, th- I just thought people meant like there were like a few extra bags, like one or two or three extra bags. I didn't realize they meant every single cube. Every cube is in its own Ziploc bag. It is insane. And I, bu- and I bought this because I'm like... I want to like this game as much as everyone else does. Like, everyone loves this game. Why don't I? Is it just the production values? Is that really the problem? So I'm like, all right. And I, this is one of those Kickstarters that I agonized on a little bit. I went back and forth. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. If this doesn't make me love the game or even moderately like the game okay, nothing will. <laughs> I did not need to do this. I could have just said, no, no the game is brown. I don't care. It's Mars. Whatever. <laughs> the art is terrible. The iconography is horrible. Why? Why did I back this giant box that's now going to take up more? Why? Because- See, I judge you, and I probably still should judge you, but I, when, when, speaking of Castle of Mad King Ludwig, it's a good example. Like That's a game where I had the original. It was a solid game. I enjoyed it, but I got rid that's of right. it. And then it shows up on Kickstarter, and I'm like, well, now I want it. Now, <laughs> unlike you, I decided that I will be rational and not back the game that I decided I don't want to own, so why am I getting it again? But Kickstarter has a way of of really hooking us in. I mean, with Robinson Crusoe, on the other hand, I got rid of that one, and I did back the Kickstarter, although that one I have a, a, a reason, which is not necessarily a good reason, but the learn-to-play guide and the variable scenarios made it actually, to some extent, solve my issues with why I didn't get it to the table to begin with. So I was like, fine. But like again, we're just paying lots large amounts of money for the privilege of re-experiencing the games we chose not to own the first time around. Yeah. Robinson Crusoe. We're getting... <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Kitty. <laughs> We're getting dangerously close to taking a topic out of the vault. I can't discuss this. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to enough of our show, Alex, that you know my opinions on Kickstarter and who should be on Kickstarter and why we should back them very greatly from, I think, a lot of the hobby. I am very much into large businesses don't belong on Kickstarter. This should not be a pre-order platform. We should be using this for independent designers who wouldn't be able to get their games to market otherwise. Um, and and I it, I just I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can dive into it. This is a whole episode in and of itself, though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we've done that episode, I think, twice. <laughs> we, we, we try and it always ends with me and chris i agree to disagree we can't uh, i mean but things like robinson crusoe is a great example and i'm glad you brought that up because robinson crusoe is one of those games that i avoided for the longest time and i mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago simply based on the name i was not interested in a game called robinson crusoe i didn't know who the guy was i didn't care like it just not you backed interested. it didn't you <laughs> Not only did I back it. So this one, I feel like I was the most responsible in all of my backing because I posted on Board Game Geek saying, look, I got um, First Martian and I hated it. I hated that game. Why would I like, you know, Robinson Crusoe? It's very differently rated on Board Game Geek. And I had a lot of responses saying, you know, this, that and whatever. And I listened to um, Board Game Insider, which is Ignacy Chavacek, the designer of Robinson Crusoe, and Stephen Bonacor, the now-retired um, founder of Stronghold Games. And and he was talking about it, and I was watching the, the Kickstarter, and it, or the well, game found, and it was very interesting. I actually went out and bought the base game. I said, you know something? I could buy this, or just back it un, unknowing, just saying, yes, I just want everything, give me everything. Or I could go out and just buy the game for $40 and play it. I love this game. I loved it. I loved it so much. I like. I didn't want to put it away. I had to put it away so I could play other games. And then I backed the whole thing and I went all in. And I don't. I'm not even going to judge you for this one. You went out and bought and played the base game before backing it. That is that is solid. It's not something you can normally do. But I'm like, I am. I just want to know. It's like, is this thing really worth it? And I love this. And I played it solo. Every time I just played it solo, I, I see it. So you know how you have segments on your channel. One of the segments I want to have is solo or co-op. 
where I look at a co-op game and I really look at, is this really a co-op game or should you just play it solo? And Robinson Crusoe is one of those games where I'm like, I don't think I would ever care to play it co-op. There, there's, it's, all you're doing is you're doing the same, you're making the same decisions. You just now have one other person is arguing with you. And if they agree with you, great. They don't need to be there. And if they're arguing with you, well, now you're just playing a game to argue with someone else about the best thing to do. Robinson Crusoe is a solo game. It is an incredibly fun solo game, though. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, Marvel United. I don't have any interest in playing that co-op. Um, maybe five, six years from now when my kids are able to play it and they're interested in it. But Marvel United is an amazing game solo. Not with its solo rules, but playing no, multiple No, controlling multiple heroes. characters. Yeah. yeah. Playing multiple heroes solo it is a fantastic, puzzly, fun game. And that's where I was really surprised. Because when I first opened Marvel United, this is what I do. I just go completely tangents. People think I edit and cut out the stuff in between. I don't. Um, I just do a quick cut. Um, but Marvel United, one of the reasons I really like this game is because when the first box showed up, I'm like, eh, it's all right. When the rest of them showed up, I'm like, oh, wow. There's so much here. Like, I could play nothing but this game for so long and I, I, I mean, eventually I get bored because I'm still Cult of the New, but I could play this game for a long time. And I and yet you backed X Men United. How interesting! And I backed X Men, which is double the content. <sighs> <laughs> so good. So Terrence in the chat um, dropped this where he says that he'll back games at the one dollar pledge just to get all the emails, get the information, and he can hop in on the pledge manager if the FOMO gets too bad that he wishes he had back to the higher level. Is this something that either of you do ever, or is it just... So it's a great concept that anyone who can say that they do that or anyone who's interested in doing that should. It's certainly cheaper than the alternative. Uh, for myself, though, I'm about... I've, for myself, I can't get as invested in the thing if I'm not a part of it. There's a million emails out there. I'm not there for the emails. I'm not there for the, hey, look at this miniature that I'm not getting. I'm invested because I own it. I'm invested because I'm along for the ride. And so for myself, that $1 back, it's like, I'll do it when I'm on the fence. That's absolutely... Absolutely. And then similar, similar to what you said, like if the FOMO spikes enough, great, okay, I'll get it. But if I'm not on the fence, if I like what I'm seeing, I, I, I want to own it, even if owning it means someone else has my money for two years and I just have a, a picture of a miniature <laughs> that looks amazing and the render is better than the actual miniature and, and sadness slowly creeps over my game collection. I'm way too OCD to ever, ever even consider this because there is a section on Kickstarter that says canceled kickstarters and canceled pledges and i like if i cancel a pledge and i've canceled like one pledge uh it it hurts me it hurts me to look at this section and backing at a dollar means i just get all the spam from the kickstarter without any of the return on the kickstarter <laughs> i don't need more kickstarter updates i don't i it's it's i, I would probably say honestly <laughs> Like I don't know if day. it would save you anything because you're getting all these games. Anything that you would have backed at a level, you're already backing it all in. You yeah. know you are. I can't if you really want to help your level. OCD out, all you have to do is count how many active pledges you have, have and then ensure that you always have an equal number of canceled pledges because then you're going for like a target. Then it makes sense almost. Oh, that's actually not <laughs> terrible. That isn't terrible. But I'm going to have to go cancel 300 pledges now. That's Imagine the money you'll save. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Alex, how many... Then you could buy the real boat. <laughs> yeah, you could buy a and real boat. And me and Fletcher can get in on your boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, I'm assuming you're a super backer on Kickstarter. Absolutely. Um, I, would you be willing to share your count on Kickstarter? If I knew it offhand, I would. I don't know the exact number. I think it's a little over 100 games backed. Probably That's... not as high as you. No. And, and I've been doing this, like I said, I've been doing this for... As long as we've been doing the podcast, a little bit about a year before we started doing the podcast is when I started um, like paying attention to Kickstarter. Okay, and so I have, and I'm looking right now, 289 projects successfully backed, and three that are in in progress. And those three are Canvas, uh, the Reflections expansion, because Canvas, which Kitty actually brought my attention to was a surprisingly amazing game. And it's one of those games that I would pull out with my like in-laws or my mom or something like that to play with. Um, because it's like, it's gamer-ish, 
it's gamery. Like you, there's like sure. strategy in yep. there, but it's also like just really nice to look at, and it's fun I, to like create these paintings. I really enjoyed it. It was a surprise hit for me. I did not expect to like it as much as I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just pulled up my Kickstarter. It looks like I have 151 and three in pro, three in prod and prod. Yeah, three. What's active pledges? It's called <laughs> active that. pledges. Yeah. All right. So, what is your number three active pledge? And then we'll just go back. Uh, uh, three. Currently, it's hidden leaders, save patient zero, and canvas. All right, so we have Canvas. I have Vivid Memories and Station File. Now, you got to play Vivid Memories because you're big yes. enough now where they're sending you stuff. Um, I got this one because I never bought Azul. I don't have the base game of Azul. Kitty really likes Azul. And I've heard this as being something that is kind of uh, friendly enough to be Azul-like. So I I mean, I put in a review on this one. I did not think it was a lighter game. I felt there's actually much meatier in the presentation that it was bringing to the table. It looks like a light game, but it's very, very thinky. I think Azul is actually fairly cutthroat, but also much more accessible. So if you're looking for lighter, I'd go with Azul. If you're looking for a thinky experience, uh, Vivid, you know, brings to the table. For myself, I'm not backing this one, not because of a lack of interest in the game, but rather the extras in the Kickstarter to me. I just, I don't care about the mat and the first player marker. I don't care about that stuff. I'll get it at yeah. retail. Yeah. And, and it's a $55 back. So I'm like, eh, okay, I'm going to grab this one. Um, the other one, um, it might've been you, someone, somewhere, someone said, kind of explain what station fall was, where, you have all of these different characters, and they're all out to do get each other or have their own goals. And I, I completely just like passed this one up so many times. There's like four days left in the Kickstarter, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to back this because it's a one to nine player game with sort of social deduction to it. Yes, basically, it it has this element of you are a character, but you don't have to you activate whatever character you want. You're not actually activating your own character. And the character you activate may or may not be another player, but then the, as you activate characters for their abilities, they get progressively less powerful, which incentivizes people to activate other characters in the game. Meanwhile, you're all trying to accomplish your goals as your like space station is falling down around you. Uh, for myself, it, it I was very intrigued by the premise of the game, and it's one that I'll absolutely be paying attention to down the road. But like this combination of social deduction combined with the the heavier game nature of what I and game design brings to the table, I, I wasn't sure where this one ends up in my collection. It was simultaneously immensely intriguing, but I'm just not confident with who it's sitting the table with. So I'm holding off for now. So and and you saying that makes me feel confident that this is a good back on my part because I have a lot of friends that are huge into social deduction games and are like hardcore gamer level games too. So like this feels like it could be a nice casual. Now, I don't want to say Battlestar Galactica replacement, but maybe something that doesn't take four hours that would still scratch a similar itch. So, Hopefully. Yeah. So that was Alex and I just comparing Kickstarters. Um, no, that's totally fine. That's normal. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm right. surprised you didn't make me say my number. Yeah, but. Kitty, what have you how many have you backed? <laughs> I know I know Less. Fletcher's numbers. He's he backed um <laughs> one thing once back in I don't know. Not any game, so right, he's never backed a game. Um I've never I'm at fifty three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fifty three is not yeah. bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, I there's like a spike in my back because when we were doing the Kickstarter edition, it wasn't we talked about a game a week or a few games a week. We talked about what we backed that week, and <laughs> yeah. I felt like if I was saying I backed something, I had to actually back it. So you watch that number go up, and then we yep. switch to Dice Hour News, and it goes back down. <laughs> yeah, I used to back like when I first got into Kickstarter. You know the process. I used to back like you know two a month. I thought that was like I thought it was very much in control. But then the process of covering games means not only am I just I'm more excited about games. I'm going to try more games. I'm looking at games that I never previously looked at because I'm trying to cover absolutely everything for my Monday roundups, which means I'm far more exposed to what's out there, which has led to me, my number slowly creeping up to like, I mean, I'm, it's, it depends on the month, but like right now I'm averaging closer to like seven backs a month, which is causing those numbers to slowly creep higher and higher. Yeah. I actually, at one point I said, I am, re I'm reducing my backing to once a week. And then last year, I think I went to once a month. Um, yeah. but I wasn't counting expansion. And then this year you went right back up <laughs> this year. Yeah. This year I just stopped tracking. Uh, it's not <laughs> terrible. I'm a little bit more selective in what I'm backing now, but it's not ridiculous. It's not as bad as, you know, once a week. I would say I'm probably averaging maybe two or three a month right now. So, yeah, my last one was actually Alba. Alba and Alba's so it's been great. a while. Oh, Alba, the book one, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. They've already released the um, digital version to backers, which yeah. don't tell them I shared it with Chris. <laughs> no, well, you shared <laughs> it with worry, me. Don't worry, he already went and bought it. <laughs> yeah, you shared it with me. You sent me the PDF. I played through it. I stayed up till like 2 o'clock in the morning to, to finish through. <laughs> and then the next day you sent me the link to say, oh, they just went live. And then I backed it for the collector's edition because I can't just back a normal book. Why would I do that? No, you can't be normal. Yeah. <laughs> if you say, if you put collectors in front of it, then it must be for me, right? <laughs> I have problems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Alex, I want to talk about, uh, lastly, um, we'll, we'll get out of the the valuing and buying and selling games. I think I think we can all agree that you're, no one's making money in this hobby um, without spending a lot of time. And if you're spending a lot of time, then okay, it's a job and you can make money doing just about any job. I want to talk about your channel. Because when I first... It was a very clickbaity um, uh, episode, right? You know, 10 yes, games, was. yeah, lowest value. And it worked. It got me There's into one it, weird right? trick. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It got me in there. <laughs> and because well, of this, I, to be I, fair, it, it, I didn't think it was going to be like that's the most watched video <laughs> on my channel. I did not think it was going to be that popular. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was very, and it was good. But when I watched that, I'm going to be completely honest, and no offense, because I'm now subscribed to your channel and I watch a ton of it. I'm like, this guy is full of crap. I have no respect for him. I'm never watching another <laughs> video he ever does ever. Game masters hate when you do this. (laughs) (laughs) But then I started watching your videos. I'm like, all right, this guy, he's he's just into games. And he looks at games differently than I do. And I can respect that. And it's a perspective that I appreciate because it's not one that I actually have. Like, I I just don't look at games the same way. I don't look at them based on value. I do sometimes look at it as like, oh, I can sell this for this. And I just never do it. So it doesn't count if I... if. Because you're a dragon So, so <laughs> the way I would put that video is, and it's interesting because, like, again, I didn't think it would be that popular. And the, I, I always have to remember that sometimes whatever video you're watching might be your first interaction with somebody. So for people who watched my channel, my, my subscribers at the time, they understood the context. They knew what I was talking about. They knew that it's not a full picture of who I am. I just didn't expect that one to blow up the way it had. But uh, the way I would more accurately uh, portray that video, because... I, I do like being clickbaity to an extent, but I also will never say something I don't mean. You have and so to the be way you're I would a put YouTube video, channel. You have to be clickbaity. The, but yeah. but <laughs> if you're just clickbaity and you don't back up the content, oh. then then it's not good. Yeah. So I will never say something I don't actually mean. But if we paraphrase that entire video, change the title to 10 games that I would recommend people stay away from until they're sure they want them. <laughs> that's what that video effectively is. They're expensive. That's a tough title. Game, Pass. It, it's not a great title. It's a horrible title. It's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, but that's that's what it was. If you think through the games there, Cthulhu Wars, Kingdom Death Monster, going all in on whatever, come on, Kickstarter. If you look at most of the games in that video, or even just things like don't back games because they're cheap. There there, there were a whole bunch of different, and I remember you guys picked this apart and it's completely agree with it, which the (laughs) metric I chose to apply to worst value shifted depending on what I was talking about. And I completely agree with that. But the general idea of it is this is not, these aren't games that are a good way to start your foray into this hobby. These are things things you should do when you know you're willing to spend $400 on Kingdom of the Monster, when you know you're willing to spend $600 on Marvel United. $1,600 on Kingdom of the Monster. $1,600, whatever it is. So, like, it, it's that's really what it is. Like, Cthulhu Wars might be the best game ever, but you know what? You can get Kemet and Cyclades and Inish all for the less than the price of Cthulhu Wars. Get those first if you want to fulfill your dudes on a map itch, uh, you know, scratching, whatever it is. So, that's really what the video was. The portrayal was definitely clickbaity. My crocodile board, I do love that spinning crocodile board, but it, it's <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the intent. Well, it was a fantastic video because if I go back, I, I still if I go back and watch it now, I still don't necessarily agree with everything, but it made me think to the point where I'm like, I want to hear more from this person, and it obviously worked because you in a year and a half, right? About a year and a half now. Yep. Yep. have just recently crossed 25,000 subscri- subscribers, which is a huge milestone in YouTube. And you might even be up to 26 by now, 27, I don't know. Um, huge milestone. Congratulations, A. Thank and you. B, like, did you set out to do this? Because you created content 
on a daily basis. You you work the work. Like I, you like you mentioned at the top of the show, you emailed us right after, or you Facebooked us um, right after we did that episode. You that's not something you're shy about. You're not shy about reaching out to other people and do collaborations. You and Quackalope now almost have this like it's not. I don't want to say it's a rivalry, but it's it's like this this friendship that everyone wants to have, right? Where you can give each other, you can nudge each other a little bit, but you are both have the same hobby that you're super passionate about. Like, did this happen on accident or were you trying to do this? Um, by accident, uh, absolutely by accident. It was never the intent. When I first started, like I, I, one of the things I do on the side is I have a board game store, Board Game Co. And the original intent of the channel was just as a way of like, oh, we should have a Facebook presence and a YouTube presence. We should do whatever. And so I just did a few videos. Now I never, even back then, I never really went into it like this video is sponsored by blah blah blah. I didn't. I don't. I don't care about that stuff. I'm not. If I'm going to talk about something, it's I'm going to talk about it because I love this hobby, not because I want to pitch whatever. So I started doing videos, and it. For a while, I just was, you know, didn't really find my voice. I didn't really find what I was trying to do. And I just did the, a few videos here, a few videos there, developed some people who were listening. But partially because of the fact that I've been involved in the value side of the hobby for going on eight years now, something like that. So I just, without intent, I had a a way I looked at things when I talked about games, the way I looked at things when I rotated my collection, when I backed things on Kickstarter. And over time, that way of looking at things, which isn't something most content creators really do, it kind of picked up its own little mini following because I was saying, oh, this Kickstarter I'm backing because it'll hold this value. And it wasn't ever intended. It just was me talking about the hobby the way I experience it. And I got lucky in the sense that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know what I'm talking about in terms of the value. I've been doing this for eight years. But I 100% got lucky in the sense that I stumbled upon a aspect of the hobby that no one was diving into. And that's where things just started taking off. Uh, from there combined, you know, like you said, I'm not shy about reaching out to people. I like I like the hobby. I like the people in it. You know, gaming with Eric Lang, playing, actually, speaking of which, Marvel United with Eric Lang was like one of the most geek out moments of my entire world. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Eric Lang. Blood Rage is my favorite game. So... I, I love the people in the hobby, other content creators who I've been watching for years, being able to to talk to Board Game Coffee, to talk to Rado, to talk to Dice Tower, being able to to have conversations with people who I've been such a fan of for for eight, nine years now. It It's meaningful to me. It's something that I care about. And so it's just been a, a fun, crazy journey. Like hearing you guys talk about my, my video, I was like, here, we got these, these podcasts in the Dice Tower Network and they're criticizing my video. I want to talk to them. I want to have fun with it because you guys were polite. You weren't like trashing. You were introspective and interested, but also disagreeing, which is great. That's fine. I love disagreeing with people as long as we're communicating in a way that's respectful. So, so yeah, I just, I like the space. I like board games. I like the people in it. I like the Kickstarter addiction. There's very few aspects of the game, of this space that I don't particularly uh, like uh, war games, war games. I don't particularly care for. I, I don't, I don't know that there's an aspect of gaming I don't like, but I will say this, your sincerity comes through. Like it really, like, I think that's more than anything, even if I disagree with you on something, the fact that you are sincere about it really comes through. And honestly, most of the times I don't disagree with you. Like most of the times I completely agree with you. Um, and that's what I find so compelling that, that your channel is, is really just you saying, Hey, this is what I think. And you don't have to agree with me. It's cool, but I'm just going to think this. And also I'm, you know, sipping seltzer right now. And that's probably not the best thing to do on a podcast, but that's just what I'm doing right now. Also, (laughs) I super appreciate Everything you do is one take. Um, almost everything you do. Uh, but pretty much you do a one take hour long. Rado's, Rado and, and Tom are probably the only other two people that do that. It's hard to talk for an hour and just let it go. I've, I've, my first episode. So I, I've, I've alluded to it a couple of times. So the tabletop game talk YouTube channel used to be. Um, Josh, Kitty, and I recording ourselves live and just throwing it up on YouTube because someone said, hey, you should put this on YouTube. It was never very successful. Um, but I'm going to relaunch it as something that I can just kind of do personally where I have my opinion. So I'm going to do my 20-minute discussion on whatever. And I have recorded my why I backed Marvel United X-Men. The first few are going to be pretty clickbaity because clickbaity. Click baby <laughs> because it's marvel united why back to it twice it's um uh 
Terrible. By the way, that's Mars. a great title. Marvel United right. Why I Backed It Twice is a great title. Yeah, exa- that's exactly it. But, Marvel but that's United. Exactly it. Go clickbaity, but back the content up with actual. That's 100%. We had this conversation. That's a great yeah. title and a great content around it. Yep. And then my next one is, you know, uh, Terraforming Mars. I hated this. Will this make me like it, right? Pointing to the normal box and pointing to the collector's box because that is really what I'm I'm talking about. And but I have I've done that video two times already and I'm like neither one of these I can put on YouTube because I it's it, having Kitty and Fletcher here to talk to, like anyone listening to me is like, "Wait, Chris, you have a hard time talking?" I don't have a hard time talking <laughs> at Kitty and Fletcher. I have a hard time talking at a camera with no one else around. That All right, is Chris, ready? Hard. Get your screenshot ready, <laughs> and I'll just do it. But so, so that's the thing. I've actually talked about this before, but the idea that one of the ways it works is, like, I hate public speaking, which is weird for somebody that has a YouTube, you know, audience. It's but easier. I've always hated public speaking. <laughs> yeah, it's easier it's, behind a camera. It, it's easier to an extent, but I think the difference was that my life until now, whenever public speaking has been something that's come up, it was always something I never cared about. It was always about like, oh, I have to do this or, oh, a whole bunch of people came to my sons, whatever. Like, I have to like talk about this. It just, it was never something I, I was resonated with. But games are something I care about and, and I can talk about them to the camera the same way I could talk about it to my friends because I treat the camera like my friend. I'm just going to tell you what I think to the camera because behind the camera, there are people who are, are listening, but it's that exact aspect. You could the same way you can talk to Kitty and Fletcher and have no problem, and then the camera suddenly has a different conversation. It's if you think of yourself as performing, then you're performing. If you think of yourself as just talking about the thing that you like, it's just talking about the thing that you like. That's great advice, actually. All right, take three. That's the one. That one's going out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need to, you can always just print off a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll feel just the same. It's it's perfect. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> also, I want to know which who are your friends that are allowing you to just talk at them for an hour. Um, I would imagine that you also bring like two bottles of wine and be like, okay, just start drinking this, and I'm just going to talk. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do that in person. It's it's pretty easy to do. Oh, so. at this point, my friends are just a bunch of random video cameras around my house with <laughs> leagues and masks, and it's a little sad when you think about it, really. <laughs> Well, we are in board gaming. So, yeah, I totally get it. Um, not to say that board gaming isn't growing every day. It is. It's a very popular hobby. <laughs> so, Alex, this is where I tell Kitty that she has to read the outro. Oh. And I tell Fletcher that he has to read all of our Patreon names because we do that. But then post-credits, we talk about something. Um, because otherwise people don't listen to the credits. And I have found that my wife, <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's exactly if I just hit the 30-second skip button twice once Fletcher starts talking, I can get right to the post-credits. Um, <laughs> don't tell everyone else that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, ah, see, this is where I would edit, but I don't. So um, so if you'd like to stick around through the credits, um, I will ask you a question post-credits, and we will see what your response is on that one. All right, so Kitty, take it away. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Brian Arnold, Kukwianikowski, <laughs> David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rextad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Sydney Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Baz Flintham's, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunkers, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, T- Tony Simpkins, David, David Garner, David Garner, and Dar- Darren McClellan. I like that name, <laughs> Darren McClellan. It's not your first time, Fletcher. (laughs) And thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Um, Until next week, keep playing games and having fun.
All right, Alex, my final question to you. ISS Vanguard. I first first game that was um GameFound's biggest, you know, we're launching this as a thing. Yep. I went all in. I am of course you did. so crazy excited for this game. Disappoint me. Tell me this game is not going to live up to my expectations. I mean, do, that's do, easy. Do a Patreon. It's not a very good game. <laughs> no, so 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 being more specific, uh, ISIS Vanguard, the ways it will disappoint you. I don't know why you're asking for this after you backed it, but sure. It's, <laughs> it's a it's it's a, the mechanically it's going to be on the lighter side. It's going to be dice rolling for a lot of things. Dice rolling that you don't have as much control over as you'd like. The the story, fantastic. The exploration, amazing. The the moments of of actual genuine moments of things happening, planets being extinguished, life being dis- dis- discovered and then squashed out having crew members lost to the void of you know crashing in a lander that you spent the past two missions just trying to build up it has highs and lows and it really is one of the best not one of the, it is the best narrative experience that i have had so far but if you're in it for the mechanics i mean i, I would argue there's better games out there the mechanics here are are fun the best part's going to be like actually the ship book where you get to level up your ship there are i mean it's fun to level things up if you're playing adventure tactics you can in fact if adventure tactics is a good example here adventure tactics has gameplay that is mechanically on the lighter end and yet the leveling up is fun to do so so isis vanguard may actually not let you down now do you need 400 dollars worth of it will you ever actually go through all of it Let's not ask difficult questions on this podcast. <laughs> I think I feel all right then. I think you've put me back in a neutral state where I'm anticipating it and I'm not hoping to be destroyed by it. Oh, and the last thing I'll say, the rules with the prototype were pretty abysmal. They do have Paul Grogan on board, though, so I am optimistic that the final rules will be... Because the game itself is actually very easy, but the rules were very bad. Well, uh, but with Paul Grogan on board, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it is Awakened Realms, and they're not known for their rule books, but... so. All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I know it's late on, on your side, so I think we will call that an episode, and... We will, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.